Okay. Good afternoon. Yeah, it feels like 3.15 on day three, doesn't it? Day four, I guess, for some people. Well, uh, I want to congratulate you for making this far. It's quite an achievement and for actually still showing up to sessions. It's a dubious honor of going on the last day, but I sincerely appreciate uh, you, you spending some time with us. So next hour or so, we'll talk about a concept that many of you, maybe all of you, maybe some of you have heard about or I'm sure are all experiencing at one degree or another in your company, this concept of a, a cloud center of excellence. So I'm John Purcell, VP of Product at Cloud Health by VMware. Uh, I've been with the company now coming up on two years, responsible for product vision, product strategy, and, and delivery. Uh, I'm just going to set this session up, take about 10 minutes or so, sort of shape and frame the conversation, and then I'm going to invite my guest, uh, David Bernstein from Zendesk, to, to give you a real-world point of view on this, this concept. Uh, and hopefully we'll have time for some questions and we'll, we'll be able to help out a bit. So um, just super quick, who is, if you don't know who Cloud Health is, uh, we're the market leader in public cloud cost management and uh, uh, general governance, right? We were founded in 2012 in Boston by Joe Kinsella, our current CTO. Uh, and we spent the first, you know, the, over the, the, the intervening years, really dialing in with companies to solving that cost management problem as companies move workloads to the public cloud in particular, although we, our, our support spans um, all the way back through hybrid cloud into the private uh, data center. And of course, if you do know Cloud Health and you are perhaps a customer of Cloud Health, you'll know that back on October 4th, we were actually acquired or the acquisition closed uh, by VMware. Uh, so we're super excited uh, and an, an opportunity to really accelerate what turns out to be a very, very aligned vision in terms of what we're trying to achieve and help companies manage in the public cloud. What are we here to talk about today? Well, I thought I would just sort of set this up a little bit by talking about something we refer to as Cloud 2.0. Actually, it's probably Cloud 3.0 or N.0 at this point. But if you just pause for a second, think about how this industry has evolved in the few short years even since reInvent started back in 2012, right? And you think about the key changes that have happened over the intervening five or six years or so. Lots of things, transformative change in this industry as you've all lived through and are actually partly responsible for. You know, you think about cloud in 2012 was really just the purview of tech companies, companies that we now refer to as born in the cloud, right? Roll forward to today, large enterprises, global enterprises, public sector companies, public sector organizations, fully adopting cloud now. The concerns we had two or three years ago about workload security, access control, we've moved on from those, okay? We used to talk about infrastructure as a service, platform as a service. We're coming up the stack, right? We're talking about higher layers now in the stack. From an architecture point of view in 2012, we were talking mostly about client server, now we're talking about microservices, serverless, right? The world has changed. And we all here in the room, to a large degree, are responsible for driving that change. And we use this picture in the background here to sort of form an analogy, right? Um, if there are any mountain climbers or people at least familiar with the practice, it's quite dangerous, but if you're familiar with the, the practice, there's this idea of a false peak, right? When you've reached what you think is the summit, only to realize that there's another quite a distance to go. And in all of these changes in the market between 2012, 2012 we thought we'd hit the peak. We thought we'd hit the peak of IT workload management 
security infrastructure, only to realize we hadn't even started. As we sit here in 2018, with all of the services we hear announced every year at this event, the, the stuff we're working on day to day, right, we can appreciate how there's, we're really just at another false peak. There's a tremendous amount of work left to do to really achieve what it is we're trying to achieve. So what is that? What, what are we trying to achieve? Well, I would argue, and I'd ask you to consider, that none of us here want or really should be in the business of managing our cloud infrastructure. That's not what we're doing, right? Certainly if you're a cloud consumer, that's really not what you want to do. That's not your core business. What I would argue is that you're adopting public cloud infrastructure, the public cloud as an ecosystem, in order to transform what your actual business is, right? To drive agility, to drive scalability maybe, certainly to drive speed and acceleration, to become more competitive. We want to get out of the business of managing our cloud infrastructure and get back into the business of using our cloud infrastructure to transform the business. That's what I would argue we're trying to do here. So how do we do that? How can we achieve that? How can we help drive through that journey, through that transformation, to that point where the cloud is really enabling us, not sort of you know, taking our time and attention away from our, our core strategy? Well, Stephen Orban, if you're not familiar with the name, AWS Luminary, been with the company best part of a decade now, I think, certainly six, seven years. A handful of years ago, he started to write about his experiences and the lessons he was learning from engaging with large enterprises who were starting to adopt public cloud infrastructure. And he should know because he was CTO of both Bloomberg and before that Dow Jones as they were starting to adopt public cloud. So he has a lot of experience before he ever arrived at AWS. And once he arrived at AWS, he spent three years as the global head of enterprise strategy. So he traveled the world engaging with companies like us, like you, to really understand what was preventing mass adoption of public cloud. What's standing in the way? What were the pains? What's the struggle? Anyway, long story short, he created this seven steps to, to public cloud adoption or public cloud maturity. I'll just touch on these sort of super quick. If you start at the bottom left, executive support, what, what Orban argues, or argued, was that to truly adopt and remove barriers to adopting public cloud, to, to execute a transformation like that, you need support all the way from the very top of the organization. This can't be grassroots led, right? You need, need top-down support at all levels of the organization. And the executives need to know that you may have to break some rules or break glass to actually get this done, and so you need that air cover. You need to educate staff also at all levels and in every organization. And not just the forward-leaning members of staff, or the forward-thinking, innovative members of staff, but the more institutionalized, maybe sort of comfortable, sort of stable folks on staff that are just very comfortable and know with high confidence how to execute what we have today. Everybody's got to learn how the public cloud can, can really help. You've got to drive a culture of experiments. The cloud, if, if it's anything, it's the most uh, uh, crazy and, and, and opportunistic experimental playground. We can run whatever we could possibly dream of with all of the services that are available to us on demand whenever we need it. So we've got to be constantly running tests and learning and promoting that culture across the organization. 
if you're a company that leverages partners to help you manage your IT burden, there are lots of those existing partners and new ones emerging to really help you migrate workloads to the cloud, migrate your infrastructure to the cloud. And if there are workloads that you can't or don't want to move to the cloud, which let's face it is a reality for most large enterprises or companies just generally, you can take advantage. You've got to be willing to take advantage of this concept of hybrid architecture. There are plenty of solutions and options for you to span that public-private gap. And if you do these things, and you execute well, and you have alignment, you can arrive at this concept of, of having a cloud-first policy. Right? So instead of starting with, why cloud? You can actually start with, well, why not cloud? Right? But the final piece here is what I want to spend the rest of today's session on, which is this concept of the center of excellence. So let's, uh, let's dig a couple layers deeper on this. What is it? How do you define it? Well, we've talked to hundreds, thousands at this point of companies, and they all have this concept of a team or an organization called different things, right? And you see some of the names on this slide. I learned a new one this morning that I'd actually never heard before, right? Our favorite one on this slide was Cloud Steward. This is what we've been using to sort of capture the concept of somebody whose job it is to help a company, you know, move towards the public cloud. But I heard, uh, I was at a meeting this morning with one of our customers, a large media and entertainment company, and their CTO refers to this role, and you like this, refers to this role as the cloud gangster. Yeah, I thought you might like that. Change your business cards. So lots of different names, right? Lots of different names. But regardless of what we call it, there are a set of sort of interconnected characteristics that I just want to sort of touch on quickly just to, just to give you a sense of what this is, what this group of people, this team is, right? what it should be. Top left, it's got to be a full time, right? At least one or more member of the team has to be on this thing full time. They've got to be dedicated to it and they've got to be gold accordingly. Right? This cannot be a part-time job. It's too important. If you don't do it this way, managing your cloud will end up being your core business, and that's not what we necessarily want. Cross-functional, another key element. Right? We're not just talking technologists, necessarily. We're not talking about just development or operations or IT. We're talking about finance. We're possibly even talking about heads of the lines of business or representatives, business strategists, for example. Right? It's got to be cross-functional. I guess technology or technologists are not the only people that need to show up on this team or, the, or, or skill sets. Regardless of who they are, what function they come from, the argument is that they've got to have an innovative mindset versus experience. And the, to juxtaposition or, or, or create these as, as opposing forces is maybe not the right way to frame this. What we're really talking about is finding a blend between innovative thinking and experience thinking. I guess the, the long and the short of it is the people with the most amount of experience in your IT and your workloads are not always the best people to put on this team. We talked about experimentation, but experiment continuously, right? And do it with the best tools. Go find out what the best tools are. Be willing to go test new things, try new things, get ahead of the curve. Most importantly, get ahead of the rest of your organization. 
that's where you can get some credibility, right? When teams and dev teams and DevOps teams start to, start to hear about and read about and come to shows like this and start wondering, oh, what are these new services? If they have a center of excellence team that's already experimenting with them, it goes a tremendous distance to, to building credibility. This team has got to be staffed with people who have the ability to observe and listen and really learn quickly. But the flip side of that, and this is crucial, they've got to be teachers. They've got to be capable of sharing knowledge, sharing information, showing people the way, teaching people how to run and execute in the cloud effectively, right? convince people and show them that there are, there are um, best practices here. Engagement at all levels, I don't just mean to the executive office. I mean north, south, east, and west across all functions. Right? They've, they've got to be sort of willing and capable of talking different languages, right? talking different, the different vernacular of different functions. Right? You've got to be engaged at all levels. And I'll stop with the, the bottom right, and that's this concept of customer centricity. I don't just mean the people that pay you money. Right? I mean, acting somewhat like a customer support mindset, right? Because in reality, all of the other functions in the organization that will be putting work in the cloud are really your customers, right? You've got to be helping them to get there, lead them there, show them the best, best, uh, best path to that. So this, this cloud center of excellence, whatever we call it, here are a set of just ideas, characteristics, traits, attributes, interconnected as you can see, that we would argue, and we see, the successful companies have in place. But to put it into practice and to put a little bit of more meat on this bone, I wanted to invite my guest speaker to the stage today, David Bernstein, who's been a customer of Cloud Health now for a while, um, a great friend of the company now pushes us very hard, which we, we need and we love and we respect, so he's become a great friend of the company Great friend of me, and I'm delighted to have him take it from here. Thanks, David. Thanks, John. Great. Um, I like that. Uh, I like that new characterization of, uh, of 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 what the center of excellence people are. Um, but uh, as far as uh, my team knows, we're just production engineering. So um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, about Zendesk and sort of set the stage for for uh, how this evolved and what our cloud center of excellence looks like and 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 how we got here. Um, uh, Zendesk, uh, some of our stats, you know, we serve a lot of customers. For us, a customer is a business. It might be a mom and pop shop, a bakery, or a fish and tackle company. It might be quite a large, uh, quite a large customer. But we, uh, you know, there's some, uh, a little bit of stats. We've grown uh, pretty large, about uh, 25, uh, 100 employees, and, um, you know, really helping a, a lot of people with their customer service. Um, we, uh, we make some products, here they are, and, and this is the secret decoder to all the little geometric shapes you find in our branding. Um, and these are, you know, support uh, uh, customer service tools, uh, tickets, and, and so on and so forth. So uh, this is what we make, and we deliver this as a SaaS solution uh, to a whole bunch of, of customers, companies, who have put custo their customers at the center of their business, right? Totally changing uh, their industries. You know, for example, Airbnb, we know is a complete disruptor by putting their customers in the center. For them, the customers are people who stay at places and people who uh, rent their places. This is a completely different way to think about, about um, you know, uh, uh, the hoteling business, for example. So we're really proud of our, 
our uh, co uh, company custo uh, customers. Um, and behind the scenes, uh, to accomplish this, um, you know, here's what our uh, engineering team sort of looks like. We have around uh, eight uh, development locations. Um, some cities have seals, some cities have flags, um, but uh, here they are, <laughs> and we're real proud of our footprint around the world. Um, we have uh, a lot of engineers, we have a lot of engineering teams, small teams, uh, we have a very uh, rapid uh, deployment pace, and all of these people are, are operating on AWS, and that's the platform from which uh, we deliver all of our solutions. So this is a, a pretty interesting uh, problem. Uh, these um, 600 engineers, 60 teams, are uh, deploying to AWS locations all around the world, um, and uh, so that's a kind of an added dimension. As you know, regions are all different in terms of what they cost, the capabilities they have, what they're used for. We have certain regions which are more important to us than others, uh, and so on. But you know, it's a pretty big, uh, it's a pretty big footprint. And so the notion of a cloud center of excellence is something that uh, that's really helped us achieve these goals. So I want to talk about. Um, our uh, center of excellence approach and share what we've learned and hopefully that will help you in, in operating this sort of thing in, in, in your company. Um, you know, why have a cloud center of excellence, right? Wh what is that? How does that fit into the organization? Basically, you know, my customers are, as John mentioned, it, it's our engineering team, right? Uh, in our engineering team, it's, it's, it's a DevOps team. The, we don't have a separate, really, ops group. We have, all these teams have ops people uh, embedded in with the people who build our software. You know, you, um, you made it, you run it. And, and you know, we drink that Kool-Aid and, and that's how it works. But you know, they need a lot of help because they're small teams and there's a lot going on with Amazon. I'm, I'm sure everybody is feeling that right now that Wow, there's so many things to keep track of, so much stuff to do. So these teams, they need help with their vendors, like Amazon, like other vendors. Uh, they need to get trained. Uh, they need to figure out how to design stuff. They need to figure out you know, best practices around implementation. How much does it cost? Sometimes uh, engineering teams you know, would rather not think about that. But of course, uh, over time, you know, people want to be smart with, with how, they, how they cause spend to occur. Um, and of course, observability and instrumentation. So um, these teams, you know, we don't want 60, 70 teams in, in my case to be reinventing the wheel in every one of these. Uh, we want uh, folks to be empowered to, to go fast in all of these areas. So uh, hence the Cloud uh, Center of Excellence, a small team of you know, uh, busy people who are highly leveraged and um, you know, really serve all these different uh, functions to help our, um, really, it's a, a, as a go-to place. You know, our engineering teams know, like, it's something about cloud, I need some help, you know, I'm gonna hook up with the Cloud Center of Excellence folks, they're gonna help set me in the right direction, right? Um, but it's, it's really, although it's a central place for help, it's kind of a, a non-centralized central place, right? So that we try to be out there and, and not tell folks what to do, but help them do what they wanna do faster. And so, um, so I'll just sketch through uh, a couple of these uh, so, so you can get an idea of what the actual activities are, uh, right? First is vendors. I mean, needless to say, you know, there's AWS. I mean, for us, that's a pretty big vendor. 
But I have a hundred other vendors I worry about, folks who provide me with all kinds of interesting other technology. Not only, for example, uh, the technology that I use for my financial engineering, Cloud Health, for example, but also um, uh, lots of other features that are, uh, help make our platform go from, you know, uh, database technology, malware technology, email technology, um, uh, you know, tooling, you name it. Uh, all, all of this uh, goes through sort of, you know, the, the Cloud Center of Excellence serves that up to our company so that we, uh, the individual teams don't have to worry about that, right? So we take over these sort of aspects, like the procurement process. We, we, we have a procurement department, but we sort of don't want engineers to have to figure out how to buy software. So we help, we help them do that. We help them sort through compliance with our CISO and our security team. We uh, help uh, make sure that all the important vendors, including Amazon, get paid for what we use. Um, we really do uh, uh, joint planning with our, our teams, like with Amazon. We really do a lot of joint planning as to, you know, what is the right Amazon service to use for this particular new feature we're trying to come up with? For example, give us some help. We interface with the TAM teams, we interface with the SA people, and we help serve them up to the various engineering teams. And of course, we actually do the financial engineering. We look after the costs, we buy the RIs, uh, because we have a view, we're really the only department that has a view of our entire footprint and what that looks like and, and what that spend is. And, and, and for example, a tool like Cloud Health, you know, we couldn't do that without. So, Interfacing with all of the vendors is an important function of the Cloud Center of Excellence, so the engineering teams don't have to do that. Um, we also um, help folks um, with a training. In other words, you know, uh, engineering needs to figure out uh, new stuff. They need to, to learn about uh, what they need to do, and oftentimes the vendor training programs, you know, uh, take a long time, um, there's courseware, they just need to get some questions answered. So we'll try to get, help them get the information they need quickly, bring in Amazon or something to train us up uh, on these things. You know, we, uh, you know, I'm sort of like, okay, everybody, who's going to reinvent, right? Conferences, we, <laughs> we sort of organize, help folks get lined up with certifications, um, you know, bring in the different product uh, area experts from uh, AWS and have, you know, put, uh, have them uh, introduced to the teams and, and solve problems. We get the AWS folks to come sit in our office and hold office hours. We tell the vendors, like, here's what we need from you for next year, all of that kind of stuff. So the, the whole notion of, of really getting the needs and the training done is something that, um, that we, we sort of put together. We also, um, we also you know, uh, want to serve up best design practices. You know, it's kind of interesting because AWS is such a self-service system, right? And there's so much good documentation and case studies out there that a lot of DevOps teams, especially when you have such a distributed organization, they feel like, okay, uh, I got to figure out how to make this work. Well, guess what? You know, we spend a lot of money with Amazon. We spend a lot of money with Amazon support. So Amazon can help you. Like, they'll show up and do design sessions with you. They'll uh, help you do proof of concepts. They'll go through and assess some technology alternatives with you. They'll, they'll figure out, you know, oh, if you build it this way, it's going to cost a fortune. Maybe you should build it that way, right? Help you with your automation. So in other words, all the areas of, of design, we really help, you know, funnel. and So I don't have to know how to design everything. Um, 
but I can do be a matchmaking to help bring in the expert resources to the engineering teams so that, that they, can, they can design the way they need to. And our solution architects, our AWS solution architects, you know, know what everybody's doing so they can help us with some commonality. Commonality around how we do our data lakes. Commonality around how we do big data. Commonality around all those sorts of things. How we, what, what our sort of approach to HA or DR is, for example. Um, also, um, uh, implementation. Now, you know, teams come up with a new uh, product or a new feature or let's say um, it's uh, a Black Friday or it's Super Bowl and you know, we're going, we're going to get some demand. We have these retailers um, who, those are really big days. Uh, one of our customers may, um, uh, are people who, who make video games. All of you know who they are and use them. You might not know we do the customer service, but when a new game comes out, um, you know, uh, they get a lot of feedback through their customer service channels. People will be posting um, sort of as a, uh, you know, uh, their community board uh, onto our system. So we get tremendous capacity demands when our customers come out with new releases uh, or when there are these sort of events. So we, we tee up Amazon and we say, hey, you know, this is going to be a big day for us. We have a new release. We have a new feature. One of our customers is doing something big so that we can be prepared for what we need to do to get more capacity when we need it. You know, Amazon likes to tell you they have infinite capacity. They don't. And especially if you're in all those regions and you're using some esoteric instance type, you know, they don't always have all of those ready for, ready for you. If you want, you know, uh, tons of, of you know, uh, M5Ds or I3s or something, you know, you've got to let Amazon know ahead of time so you can grab a couple hundred of those if you need them. So that's something that we, we work with them. We work with them just like, you know, uh, getting our, prepping our limits, making sure that we, we have all eyes on when something goes live uh, and really understand that the cost models are starting to work out as the capacity goes up, that we keep eyes on that to say, wow, this is, you know, this is costing more than we thought. Or look, it's scaling up great. So that's something that we work with the engineering teams and we work with AWS to do. And of course, we also uh, get to share in the success of every one of the individual teams who launch something new. And so um, we get involved with a lot of uh, go-live parties. So that's always a good function of the uh, Center of Excellence uh, team. Um, and then, um, of course, costs, right? Costs uh, are a reality of, of, of this business. And you have to you know, make sure that you're, you're spending smartly, right? Um, so that we, we, we do uh, go ahead and provide the tool set to the team so they know what it is they're spending. You know, oftentimes it's kind of hard to figure out, what does my footprint cost? I, uh, I have a new feature. Um, I'm making a plan for the next uh, couple of quarters as, you know, to what my capacity needs are going to be. That's great, but what is it going to cost? We've got to make sure that's in the budget. We've got to make sure that our finance people are cool with that. So the whole area around, uh, around cost management is a super important function of the center of excellence because I do not want finance people talking to all my engineering teams. Engineers don't really like that, and it takes a lot of time, and you know, uh, I'd rather make sure that they're, they're building and running and that you know, finance is happy, so we spend a lot of time sort of in the middle, and we also you know, we want to catch these overruns as early as we can. And so this insulation of engineers from finance is really important, and the ability to sound the alarm 
uh, or, or, or take evasive uh, action, and uh, you know, if something goes wrong is really important. And of course, we keep our, uh, our eyes open if we see something that you know, is uh, burning up, up uh, spend, then you know, we're kind of like, hey, is there something we can do about that? You know, and they, uh, folks half the time may not even know. So that's an important function of the Cloud Center of Excellence, to be a good partner with our engineering teams so that they don't have to, uh, they, they get all the tools they need so that they're empowered with respect to costs, not limited, because we also know that the day that our engineers have to fill out a form to get an EC2, right, that's the day the company goes sideways. So we, we, we don't want that to happen. We want to be way ahead of that and, and, and make uh, cost awareness something that's a great experience and, and not a bad one. Um, and finally, uh, instrumentation. Instrumentation, as everybody here knows, is a really important part of a production footprint, right? Um, in terms of, of how do you do your metrics? How do you do your application performance management? How do you do your logging? You know, how do you do your incident management? Uh, and, and so on and so forth. So these tools generally have to be consistent across uh, the, our entire production footprint so we can uh, remediate incidents quickly and we can share knowledge about how to use them. We can get better insights together, swap notes about how well our stuff's running and how to make it better. And so this is something that we really facilitate delivering these tool sets uh, to the team so they could use them in, and create a community around them internally. And of course, this also includes cost, uh, cost efficiency and utilization tooling so individual engineering teams can understand like how well am I doing uh, with my particular footprint in terms of efficiency because people want to build stuff that, you know, that gets a lot of miles per gallon, right? And so, um, so that's what we do. Also, we're a very close ally to the um, a site reliability engineering team or SRE team because uh, observability tools, uh, when they're, uh, when they're um, pervasive, uh, are a good thing for the SRE team. Um, so that's a lot of stuff to be in the middle of. Um, and you know, you can't just sort of stand up and say, hey, uh, I'm going to be the, you know, the cloud gangster, the cloud center of excellence guy, the cloud shepherd, right? And everybody, like, listen to me, or you know, finance, talk to me now. And so you, how do you get this started? Like, how do you bootstrap this? Or how did it happen? And I think this is actually kind of maybe the best takeaway of this, right? Um, because sure, you have people who are your internal evangelists. Uh, they have great knowledge base. They have great rapport with the different departments. But does the company really look at them? Do the engineering teams really go sort of through this and say, this is a value-added thing for me? This, you know, just uh, finance really, how do you get yourself in the middle of this uh, and, 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 and help accelerate and deliver this to the organization? So bootstrapping a, a cloud center of excellence. So uh, here's kind of what we discovered about how to get this going in, in a way um, is, you know, Begin is the engineering team that helps finance. Engineers are happy with that. Like, okay, you deal with finance. I'm cool with that, right? And so, and finance is like, oh, we know if we go to that guy, like, on Monday and then, like, on Tuesday, and we're like, how's your spend going? How's your spend going on Wednesday, on Thursday, right? Um, that if they go to that team and they can get good data about sort of what finance needs to know, and the cloud model for finance is different as John has talked about, right? The whole notion of spends are variable, they're hard to predict. Um, they're, the whole notion of how to handle uh, the result of reserved instances and amortization, uh, the, need, the need to feed that beast in terms of buying your RI portfolio, these are all pretty tough topics to 
for, for engineering teams to deal with. So really a great way to bootstrap is to say, you know, hey, I know finance is very interested in spend, right? And uh, so I'm gonna help them with visibility and control, right? I'm gonna be a really good friend of finance. So what I'm gonna do is, uh, 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 is, is really try to be in the middle of that. And you start off because what happens is, right, with this variable spend uh, on your cloud platform, it grows in sort of a complex way with scale, right? And these tools grow with a complex uh, way with scale. Like generally your observability tools, they're gonna cost more the bigger your footprint gets. Your cost management tools are gonna cost more the more you spend, you know? Um, your logging is gonna cost more because you're logging more stuff. And so what you sort of do is, what, oh, I pressed the back button. So what you sort of do is you say, okay, I'm gonna first get in front of uh, the sort of the finance angle of this and kind of help serve up these tools and help get a good notion of, 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 of you know, wrestling the dragon a little bit and be a best friend in finance. And then the engineering teams will come to, will, will start to say, you know, hey, am I okay with my budget? And hey, I need to deploy more of this, am I good? And, and, and hey, you know, I really need these core tools, can you make sure that I can just, you know, use them as much as I want, right? If I'm gonna deploy a whole bunch of Kubernetes or if I'm gonna deploy a whole bunch of more uh, VMs, right, is, am I gonna cause a whole bunch of spend? So when, when you do a favor for the engineering teams on the one side, uh, and take that off their plate and serve them up great tools and you do a favor for the finance team and you take that off their plate and serve them up good data, then suddenly you're kind of in the middle. And, and that's the way we've sort of figured out uh, how to bootstrap a center of excellence. And once you do that, you then sort of have the position where you can then start helping the engineering teams with everything else. Like, like hey, you know, you really should go to reInvent or, or, or or you know, or hey, do you need this training? Or did you hear about this new this new uh, capability that Amazon just came out with, and all the other things I talked about? So if you're looking in your company for a way to kind of get to, to help uh, establish a cloud center of excellence, I would say focus on these tools right here because they're kind of going to be your most expensive tools, and they kind of are the most interest to finance, and they're also the most interest to engineering. And then you'll find yourself in the middle with the ability to really help the, both sides of the equation as quick as possible. So that's how you bootstrap a, a, a cloud center of excellence, if, if, if that's a good takeaway. And of course, in the end, what is it all about, right? What it's all about is it's really being part of the phenomena where you build this platform, and as we say, what we want to do is we're really not building cloud-based solutions because you know, it's a cloud-based solution. We're doing it to deliver something to customers, to end customers, so that they can really do something great. And we don't have, the most of the company doesn't have to worry about the, as much about the cloud platform because the Cloud Center of Excellence is really helping them. And so in the end, of course, uh, what do folks end up seeing? You know, they see great software that's simple and that works really well for them. And so you see wonderful tickets like this, like light switch doesn't work, you know? Uh, have you uh, tried turning it on and off again, right? Yes, it now goes on. So, <laughs> so all that sausage making behind the scenes, right? And you end up uh, being part of something that, that is really great uh, for the end user experience. And, and, and that's ultimately the satisfaction of why a, a, a cloud center of excellence is, is, you know, is a great part of the organization to be in because you, you can really feel like you've, you've made a great contribution to this sort of thing happening.
so with that, perhaps uh, maybe a couple closing, uh, closing words, John, and then we'll take some questions. Sure. Thanks, David. Uh, hopefully that was helpful for, for you, the audience. Um, it's very gratifying to know that, that Cloud Health has spent millions of dollars and years worth of innovation and product development to know that we can help companies do light switch remediation. So yes. that's, a, that's a really good takeaway. I'll remember, we should do a case study on that. We should. Um, so the, uh, you know, the net net of it is we're talking about an organization within your organization, a team within your organization, that the characteristics of, characteristics of which we described to you, you heard David talk about how he's been able to bootstrap it um, within Zendesk. Uh, we have the fortune of being able to work with people just like David everywhere we go around the globe. You see some of the sort of capabilities we provide here. I'm not going to go too deep there. You can see us later about that. Um, but these are some of the takeaways, and it's doable if you just set your mind to it and you commit to it and you go start to build the connections that David referred to. So um, I think we have some time uh, remaining on the, on the schedule. If anybody's got any questions, we'd be happy Happy to take them. There's a couple of mics there if you want to step up. But if you don't, that's totally fine too. Click one more time. There we go. Um, um, how do you guys fund the CCOE? And um, I guess the follow-up to that is, are you guys taking um, overhead from your cloud cost to fund the CCOE? I, I'm, I'm sorry, could you? How do you fund your Cloud Center of Excellence? How do you, how do you what, what is, where's the budget come from to where's pay the, for these? Where's the funding coming yeah. from? Well, um, first of all, it's, it's really kind of a small team. So it's not like a, a giant organization you have to worry about funding. And it, it, somebody has to, it's kind of these functions have to get done somewhere, right? And so, um, uh, you know, the funding is part of production engineering for us. Um, usually you'll have some people come forward and, 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 you know, again, finance, that's why I say the bootstrapping, finance will be very supportive if you help them. Right, and so it's a really highly leveraged function. It doesn't really cost that much. It just requires a lot of good energy and good concept, a good concept that your internal customer base, right, you're really helping them. So uh, it's, it's, it's really just kind of a natural occurrence of, 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 of uh, intermediating between finance and engineering. Uh, generally, if you're doing a good job at that, um, you know, you'll, get, you'll get funding support in the company because it will make an obvious difference. Thank you. Yeah, I had uh, one question for you, hey, David. Um, we met the other day, but uh, it's, I think uh, we have a similar uh, group that we kind of stood up at uh, Vanguard. And uh, but we're, where we are right now, I was curious about how much are you expecting like, the stakeholders, of different, your different customers, to use some of these tools like cloud health and things like that and get real, getting really smart on you know, cost at AWS? Or are you kind of keeping that in the center of excellence and saying, we're going to help. We're going to manage it for you. You guys don't have to worry about that as much. Oh, that's a really great question. So, uh, generally speaking, most of our tooling across the company is available is available to every single engineer, right? And 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 cost management tooling like Cloud Health is no exception to that. Every engineer has access to that, and in fact, uh, and it's part of their single sign-on, right? And so, what we actually do is. The Cloud Center of Excellence, we spend a lot of time with the, the tagging and the perspectives, as they're called in Cloud Health, and really aligning the spend with the engineering teams so that every one of those teams kind of, you know, we put together a Confluence page, we pre-can the links, so they come in, they know, they click there, boom, they're gonna get their costs displayed right there to them with all the stuff under the covers, amortization magic and everything else, all embedded in there so that they, and you know they see it, and 
And when you tee it up like that, it's really surprising, right? It's like even just curiosity, like, oh, here's this, th you know, at first it's like when we first started rolling this out, it sounded like everybody was pretty curious, like, well, what does my footprint cost, you know? And, and also, how does my, how, what does his footprint cost or her footprint cost, right? We made it totally open within uh, engineering. So people can start to get a concept about, about you know, what, their, what footprints cost. And, and then now that we're pushing out to the team's responsibility for what their footprint costs, like, okay, you know, what do you need next year? Wow, that's like, oh, well, uh, how much did I spend last year, right? You have to answer these basic questions. And so we have really wide adoption. I mean, of course, I mean, people care because like if they want to grow their foot, their part of the footprint, they've got to get, they've got to assert the budget they want. And how do they assert the budget they want? They go ahead and they look at what they're currently spending and, and we expect them to do their capacity modeling and to ask for the amount that they need themselves. So we're really pushing the, we're really pushing the empowerment of spend and budget into the hands of the engineers who cause the cost. And, and if you don't do that culture change, I think, you know, then, then you're not really gonna get it under control. Yeah, thank you. I think that culture change is where we are, we're trying to go through that right now. The culture change is super important. Like, put the control in the hands of the people that actually make it happen uh, with tooling enabled. That, that's the secret ingredient that I think makes this all work. So to your slide that sort of summarized the company 2007, I guess it started, right? I'm gonna assume you were sort of born in the cloud. When did you start your cloud center of excellence? Like when it became a cool term, did you already have one of those? And then you just said, hey, we should really label it and go by these principles? Or were you like three, four years into the company and said, wow, we really need to get mature and do this? Actually, that's a very interesting, so we weren't really born in the cloud. Okay. Um, I mean, uh, Actually, you know, uh, 2007 probably would have been too early. You know, really, there was some, wasn't really AWS at the time, right? So uh, we went through a number of different uh, co-location and 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 uh, hosting scenarios until we really landed pretty much all in on on AWS. And it kind of came out as our journey really seriously. I mean, we started using AWS four or five years ago mm -hmm. or more. But when we really seriously started getting production in AWS over the last few years, and that became our complete platform, you know, it kind of emerged um, naturally. And it translated a lot from, you know, well, what's that gonna cost? There was that question. Well, how do we, you know, how do we monitor what that costs? Because it's different from CapEx in, in, in data centers, right? So we started getting tooling to try to figure that out. And, somebody put their hand up and said, hey, I think we could save some money here, or I'll, I'll, I'll report on that to finance, and it, it, it just sort of emerged that way. And that's, that, that's, the, that's the aha about establishing the center of excellence in, in terms of how it, it grew. And it became an accelerator. So when folks were like, I wanna get my stuff running, well, everybody's going to AWS, I gotta get my stuff on there, right? Can you help, you know, can I get the Amazon guys to help me? They would come to the center of excellence, and we would say here, and we would you know, make the matchmaking to all these teams. And, one team after another, you know, caught fire, and you know we just threw gas on it, and 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 that's kind of how it ha how it it, it it best happens. So it's it's really a great accelerator. Thank you. Yeah. Hi. Um, with your question. bootstrapping that you had there, what would you say would be your your recommendation for the next step after you've successfully integrated with finance and you're helping them and they're happy and 
teams are kind of coming to you for budget advice, what would you do next to help keep growing your CCOE? Well, you know, finance is never perfectly happy, so that's an ongoing, <laughs> that's an ongoing uh, pursuit of the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, right? But, but um, there's, there's plenty to do, right? Um, uh, not only, you know, once you, once you start to, uh, and we're still, this is a long journey, right? We're still mid, you know, midway in it, or I don't know how percent we're in this journey, but we're not, we're never finished. So I think the idea is once you sort of get your, your, your costs visible, then you could start really, people could start really um, uh, understanding, you know, what individual product lines cost. People can start to understand profitability. We can better understand capacity planning. We could better understand uh, how to better put our put the company's cash to work with the the RI futures. We can um, we can start to couple in the instrumentation uh, with um, with some of the costs so that we can really understand the you know some efficiency and and utilization and an optimization. So you know that's a journey that 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 happens a little later. If you start with this idea that says we have to save money, we have to optimize. Right, that's just a downer, right? Right away. So what you want to do is 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 position it as you know engineering excellence, right? Like great, car goes you know 150 miles an hour, but how many miles per gallon does it get doing that, right? So there's always improvement, and the way you get to that improvement is by providing, um, you know, shining lights on these things, right? And that's why those core things around observability, including your cost management and security and so on, all those elements, that you know new improvements continue to come out when we, when we enable this. So I don't know, I, 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 next year maybe we'll have a version two of this presentation and I'll tell you all the new things we learned as we, as we roll this out. But the great part is the engineering teams, they're like very interested, right? Uh, because cost engineering, that, that's, a, that's a new thing that I could be good at. And, and, you know, and, and so I think that's gonna come out in a big way. Cool. Thank you. Yes, um, I come from a company that's just starting to pilot public cloud services, and we do not have a cloud center of excellence just yet. We would like to start one. Um, I was wondering what parts of a classic organization that's not in public cloud, a classic IT organization, um, would be um, ideal to pull from to start this cloud center of excellence. Yeah, I mean, my, our experience has been that this that in this move to cloud, there's this sudden sort of idea that the whole business model for that uh, is a, the the cost model for that's sort of a little different, and people are a little unknown about it, a little worried about it. Like how like if you have fixed assets in data centers, or you have you know applications or stuff that runs on a set of servers and services that you know, you know, you kind of know what that's gonna cost and those cycles are long. As you start to have projects that are gonna go into cloud, you're wondering, well, um, you know, did that end up, you know, you, you probably did that move, not really to save money, but to get agility and start getting new services and so on. Well, how did that work out, right? So how do you answer that question? Like, what did it cost? Or, or you know, what are the tools I can point to that thing to make sure I understand what's going on there? And so somebody will say like, hey, there's some cool tools out there that we should get to answer that question. And I would suggest trying to do that in engineering, right? Because it's a curiosity thing. Like I moved my 
foot, this little bit of footprint into the cloud, and I really got to find out how is that going? Did I pick the right machine types? Could you know? Is there enough capacity there? Do I need to increase that? Um, you know, what will that cost if I switch from a 4XL to an 8XL? All these is, is that is my cost really just going to double, or is it going to go up even more? Uh, you know, I, you know all those. So you start answering those questions. Suddenly, then the next project, then the next project, you point your tool to that. You point your tool to that. You point your tool to that. Bingo! You're the center of excellence. Dude, <laughs> you know, and and that's kind of how it emerged. So I would. So it starts with one person, basically, and it kind of evolves from there. I've, what what additional team members say? Say I'm the cloud guy within my company. Well, and I want to start this team, the small team maybe a maximum of you know, three to five people to do this, what parts of, of the organization would be That would be a big them? center of excellence team, probably. I think you're, you will find some internal evangelists in, and, and as I said, it seems to me that the, you know, putting yourself sort of a little bit in between finance and engineering, yeah. and being in it, you know, <laughs> our cloud center of excellence is, is, is part of engineering, mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like, we, like, hey, everybody, like, let's, you know, somebody interfaces with Amazon, right. right? And somebody understands, you know, has to look at what it costs and, and like that. And, and that's, you, you know, grab onto that. Even if the finance gets the Amazon spend, they're going to come to somebody in engineering and say, WTF, like, is this right? Or right. what is this? I mean, they're, you know, they're hard to understand. So you sort of need tools to answer those questions. So you're going to want something like a cloud health to make some sense of what, what your first foray in the cloud is. Make sure it's going okay. And it's a way for you to say, look, this is working. Calm down. We've got, we got eyes on this, mm -hmm. right? And then that will nucleate and emerge into your center of excellence is, is what happened with us. So start with the tool and then... Start the with people. the two or three core tools yeah. that the folks in engineering, the, you know, your metrics tool, your logging tools, your APM tools. When you move to cloud, you've got to make sure that those tools are there right. for the cloud footprint. So sort of help make that happen, and then it'll grow from there. Okay, great. As soon as, as, soon as you get that first bill with the unexpected spike in it, that's when you'll find out who needs to be on your center of excellence. Don't run from that, run to that. Run Put to your it. hand up and run say, I'm going to look into that and figure this out. Somebody's then you're the guy okay. from then on. <laughs> Maybe keep going that way. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. So um, actually, I'm your neighbor in Madison, so American Family Insurance. Oh, good. Madison rocks. Yeah. So the way you've approached this sounds to be very different than how we've approached it, and much more organic. So I have some questions, because I want to make sure I understand so that I'm not misunderstanding how you're using the, tech, the terminology. So start with engineering. When you say engineering, you mean application developers? Who, who are you talking about? Well, we have a large engineering team that makes our product soup to nuts. Are they DevOps structured? So you have security, you have operations people, you have infrastructure engineers. Are you using that model or are you doing something else? No, we use that model. And we've refined the model where we've realized that the best thing to do is to put those functions all together in DevOps fashion so that, you know, the team that builds the thing over here, you know, chat and the thing that builds talk and the thing that builds guide and those are our, and, and sometimes there's, a, there's definitely a handful of teams in each, right? that each one of those teams of, you know, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14 people, right? There's people in there who have, 
who are smart about security. There's people in there who are smart about ops. There's people in there who are building the application functionality themselves, and that's their, that's their team. So are they permanently assigned? Do they su support the product from development all the way through life cycle? And do they all share the same common job role? Or do they, I, they have different roles, but they participate in some sort of a, an organized group? Well, they have different areas of focus, and they have different roles, if you will, right? I mean, there's the, go, you know, there's the people who are spending more time building application functionality, and there's the people who are spending more time doing the deployment automation for it, right? And, but generally, they're a team. They're the team that's responsible for making sure that, you know, chat works. And they're all there. But this is exactly wherein the problem lies, because they can't be experts in, you don't want them deciding what tooling to use for metrics or APM. You don't want them deciding, you know, to have to figure out how to get a vendor. You don't want them looking through their, all the details of dealing with AWS, figuring out all this stuff. You want them to sort of have a resource they go to and says, like, how can I get this done? Like, can you hook me up with training? Can you make sure I, I got some tooling to look at this cost? Can you make sure? So we try to front for them. Sure, I, I can't agree more, but we went the opposite way. We've established, like I own cloud engineering throughout the entire organization. My cloud engineers are distributed to the teams, and so I maintain standards by two ways. First of all, we have COPs, so we share information organically, and then the Center of Excellence establishes best practices and in cases, certain cases standards where we have concerns about security or, or other protocols. But, but we've structured it like from that way out, and then the teams, as they build themselves autonomously, they have different roles that, that participate. And to some extent, over time, we're looking at people sharing roles, but there's not a lot of that because the, the expertise that exists, most developers don't know anything about infrastructure, and right. an awful lot of people don't know anything about security, and there's not a lot of that to go around. And then we're using the, the community of practice to do organic sharing, but the, the center of excellence to enforce standards where it's appropriate because people struggle with optimization of new database technology right. or something. So right. that's why I'm curious, because you kind of well, went organically up. We kind of went, we well, broke all that structure and then went the other way. There was a very zigzag road to get here. And we, you know, over time we emerged from sort of some separate ops into integrated DevOps. And, and we make no mistake, we still have a CISO and we have an organization that really worries about all the compliance stuff and, and we have a separate security team. But the concept of security, you know, security is part of engineering. The so-called well-architected parts, that we push as much into the engineering teams as I I individually as we can. But do you also have the COPs too or, or are you just using the center of excellence? Do, do we have a... What? Communities of practice. Do you have those established also or not? Well, yeah, uh, yeah, we do. We also have some architecture teams that, and a process for people to say, I want to do something here. And then there's sort of a group that, that, that helps you know, document and create some standards so that this team that you know, has kind of gone through that road, maybe done the first serverless implementation in our company, and they figured out how to work, you know, work with the various groups in the company to sort of get that everybody happy about that, then you know, we, we put that in a place so that the next team that's gonna say, hey, I wanna do this serverless thing, oh, these people went down that road, you should reuse all their stuff that they did. So, so you know, but we try to, as I said, we try to make it a centralized, non-centralized, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and we find that, that by throwing gas on the fire as opposed to, you know, 
uh, uh, constraint uh, on you know and and firm-handed guide you know firm-handedness. That's that's sort of. Uh, I mean, certainly we tell people like, no, you can't. You know, please don't pick some other random cloud provider just out of the blue. Like, we do give some guardrails, you know, um, but but generally speaking, yes, we. We we you know we we think that the way to scale is to you know get as much energy out close to the the development and the operations as possible. One last question: Out of your 600 engineers, how many of them are engaged in DevOps teams versus more traditional organizational structures? Oh, I, I really don't have a I really like I really you know, don't even have a number. Thirty uh, percent. I mean, I, I really don't have a number. I just I mean, there's more people there's more people building app stuff than than doing op stuff, but I couldn't really give you a firm percentage number, oh, right? I, I think maybe I, I didn't phrase the question. Are, is your entire organization practicing DevOps so all engineering groups are functioning that way, or is there a blend? To all. Okay, that's what I was asking. Yeah, all, oh, that's what, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. Yep, we, we went and made the big change, and it's, it's, working, it's working good. Thank I think we have time much. for maybe two more, one more quick question, maybe two. We can make them quick before the light goes red. Yeah, appreciate it. Hey, um, so I was just kind of curious what, and you touched on some of it and even just there in that answer, um, what sort of tools, processes, even products um, your Cloud Center of Excellence uh, develops or um, offers to the enterprise? So, you know, are you working on uh, well-architected reviews, kind of pre-prod and in production? Are you doing any sort of reference architecture and kind of developing best practices, cloud formation scripts? and uh, stuff like that. I mean, that's, uh, that's a that's a great question. So, so in in our model, our cloud center of excellence, we don't we don't. I mean, we kind of help procure commercial tools, but in terms of and we interface with Amazon as that people want to do well architected for maybe new products or when they've changed an architecture or whatnot. Like we help do the matchmaking, but the teams do it. But we have other common shared services, foundation teams, stuff like that. So within engineering, there are people who worry about you know, our database stuff as kind of a team, right? They're not all just applications developers. So that team worries about, and then we have a team that worries about you know, our data lakes and big data, and our team that worries about ML. And those are served up into multiple different applications. So we have a, a number of foundational teams that, that, and we have some teams that concentrate on some things like common shared services, including best practices and automation. And so those, for me, they're just other engineering teams. They happen to serve some of the other engineering teams as well. But for me, they're just you know, more additional, te additional teams. So our Cloud Center of Excellence, we don't actually build anything, right? I mean, we just like serve up the tools, be the clearinghouse for good information, and you know, and like, Try to hand out all the swag we get at reInvent, <laughs> which is sort of a good analogy of what we, you know, what we, right? Try to, gotcha. but but you know, um, so uh, and as a result, you know, there is some variability. For example, some folks, you know, some folks are a little Terraform over there. Some people are a little cloud formation over here. Some people, so that's okay, right? It's not super strict, but but we we try to keep everybody so that everybody knows. And, and we, we all march in the same direction, generally. And, and that way we can go fast. Okay. All right, thank you. Okay, it says I have 30 seconds left, so maybe there's one more. Thank you. I have a quick question. Is your CCOE responsible for provisioning accounts? 
new Amazon accounts for Teams. And I, I'm sorry, it's, our, it's got a bad echo. Sorry, um, is your CCOE responsible for creating Amazon accounts for Teams if they ask for new accounts and for laying down like accounts, yeah, security? So we, um, yeah, how you partition the different engineering teams and where they deploy into and how you keep track of that, I think is, is a subject of a lot of discussion. We choose not to have a lot of accounts and we choose to use things like tagging as to how we identify where things go, right? Um, all the accounts roll up into a consolidated <coughs> billing so we can centrally understand and deal with our eyes and total spend visibility. But as far as I'm concerned, it's almost like we have one big account. I mean, we have a bunch of accounts, but we just, we don't, we don't we're, the way we chose to operate, we, we don't have these hard boundaries between accounts because we found that that just causes a lot of difficulty with respect to IAM and, 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 and between account sharing and VPC provisioning and all of that, right? So, so we all, there, the one other little tidbit on that is, is that we find that no matter how well engineering really does identify all the resources with tagging and other things, like there's, it's not perfect. And so Cloud Health gives us a way to layer on how we look at kind of an asset management system that doesn't really count on tagging or engineering being per, or accounts being perfect. Gotcha. And, and finance likes that. They like it that we have a view of that without counting on an engineering going, an engineer going sideways with tagging. Okay, thank so, you. I think the light's flashing here, so uh, uh, thank you, everybody. Thank you, John. Thank you. And, uh, you know, see you at the party. <laughs>